0: Thank you so much for being here. I realize that this is Mother's Day and realize that most of you had family in today and hope you've had a a beautiful day and uh, just uh, thank you for coming out to worship the Lord tonight. If you'll take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter one. Acts chapter one. We want to uh, try to finish up this chapter tonight and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture. We're just gonna take it as we go tonight instead of reading it all and coming back, but we'll begin in verse 12. But let's start with a word of prayer. Father, we just stand before you tonight knowing that you are God and beside you there is none else. We stand here tonight realizing Lord that within our own power, we don't have the strength and we don't have the wisdom to explain your word and to preach from it but Lord, it's what you've called us to do. So I pray tonight that your Holy Spirit will just come, illuminate our mind and anoint our lips that we might speak your word in a way that would be pleasing to you. Father, we pray that Lord, as your word goes out, that it will find a resting place in each and every heart. We pray that Lord, that you will be glorified and you'll be magnified. Lord, if there are lost souls listening tonight or even here in this building, We pray that this will be the time that your Holy Spirit will bring conviction to their heart, that you will show them their lost condition and show them that they can be saved through Jesus. Father, we praise you tonight. We thank you for all the mothers that we have in this church and Lord, we pray your blessings on them. And I know there are a lot of our elderly mothers that could not be here today. We pray a special blessing upon them. Thank you for loving us in Jesus name we pray, amen. Jesus had led his disciples up on the Mount of Olives. He had shared with them that he wanted them to tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit to come. And they watched him as he rose up into to the sky, went out on a cloud and uh, they heard Some words said to them, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. And in verse 12, it says, then after they had heard that announcement, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath days journey. Now get what's happening here. They've been told to wait or to tarry there in Jerusalem. Jesus ascended after 40 days of appearing to people here on this earth. Pentecost comes 50 days after the Passover. So there was a 10 day period that they were waiting, and this this passage of scripture that we're looking at tonight covers that ten days, or at least most of it. They return into Jerusalem. So I guess the the topic that I want to talk about tonight is what to do while you wait. Well, the first thing they did was obey the Lord. They returned unto Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet. Now the Mount of Olives is on the eastern side of Jerusalem. The Kidron Valley lays between those two mountains and the Bible says that it was, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And my Bible has a note there that that's about a three quarters of a mile, a Sabbath day's journey. Sabbath day's journey goes back into the Old Testament, where that you could only travel so far on the Sabbath day, you couldn't go over, say, three quarters of a mile away from home. Now people learned to get over that. They would uh stretch out a string or something or other and measure out what the the Sabbath day's journey was and they would go to the end of that and then they would stop for a few minutes and then they'd go that much farther. They're kind of like we do. We we play around with the Sabbath day, you know. We we say, "Oh yeah, we should obey it," but we we always put our loopholes in there. But they they were come in to the place where they had been staying, that upper room where that uh, they had been meeting. And it says so in verse 13, when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. Now notice who all is there. Where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, Zealotes or the Zealot, and Judas, the brother of James. Now, all of the 11 disciples of Jesus, the 11 apostles, let's put it that way, of Jesus, were gathered there in that upper room, but they are not the only ones that were there. It says in verse 14, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. One of the best things that we can do when we're waiting for the Lord to move in our lives or waiting for him to answer a prayer or something like that is to continue to pray. Did you catch that? They were coming up there in that upper room. That was the place where they had met so often and called upon the Lord. And that was the place where Jesus had met with them. But they continued, first of all, in one accord. Now, there was a little joke that went around several years ago when Honda first named their car Accord that it would hold more people than anyone, any other car. And they used this passage of scripture that there were 120 in one Accord. That's a joke, but anyway, they, they were in one Accord. That talks about unity. So God's people when they're waiting for something need to be in unity, we need to be in unity whether we're waiting for something or not. But it talks about that, that while they were in unity, they were praying, their prayers were united. And as they prayed there, they they began to see something happen. It says they continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Now notice, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now let's look at that. As they were praying and in supplication, it was not just the men. There were women that were there. And then it names a a real special woman, Mary, the mother of Jesus. The last time we had saw her, she was at the foot of the cross and John took her to his home because Jesus committed her into his hands and said, this is your mother. He said to Mary, this is your son pointing to John. But now here she is after the resurrection I suppose that she was the one of the crowd that was out there that saw Jesus ascend into heaven. We know she's here in this upper room and we know that she's there. She's been through all of that terrible, heartbreaking pain of seeing her son die on the cross, but then she's gone through the joy of seeing the risen Lord and saw him ascend up into heaven. No doubt she remembered back to all the promises that God had made to her. And he'd made them through some other people at times, such as Simon there in the temple where he told her that a spear would pierce her soul. But here she's gathered out there in prayer. But notice who else is there. And with his brethren. John tells us that his brethren brothers did not believe in him. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. But now, after he's risen from the dead, they no doubt must have seen him because uh, the Bible tells us that he appeared to James, his brother James. James later became the pastor of the church there in Jerusalem. They're here in this upper room. They have become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's wonderful that his family is now together. His family is now believing on him. Now, as they're praying, something begins to happen. Something begins to stir in Peter's soul. And I'm sure that Peter thought back to when Jesus had met with him up there on the shores of Galilee and Peter had been out fishing and he hadn't caught anything all night. Jesus told them to throw the net on the right side of the boat and they'd catch something. And they did and they caught so many fish that they couldn't hardly drag them in. 150 according to what the Bible says. But Jesus had breakfast fixed for them that morning. And as they ate, Jesus began to speak to Peter, questioning his love. Peter, do you love me? Asked him that question three times. Peter kind of hemmed and hawed around about it, but he finally came to realize that Jesus was telling him something. Every time Jesus would ask him, do you love me? He'd give him a command, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs, shepherd my flock. Peter, no doubt, while he's in prayer here, that the Holy Spirit began to move in his life and began to make him aware of the fact that Jesus had appointed him the leader of this flock, that he was to be their shepherd, that he was to be the one who would stand up. And it says in verse 15, in those days... While they're there praying, those 10 days, in those days, Peter stood up. He stood up in the midst of the disciples. He's taking his God-appointed place there. And he said, and it talks about in parentheses there, the number of names together were about 120. This group has grown from 12 to 120 now. This included women, it included men, it included the 11 apostles who were still there. We don't know who the rest of the 120 was, but that's pretty good church growth, isn't it? To go from 12 a few days ago to 120 when they gathered there in that upper room. Notice what he says in verse 16, men and brethren, this Scripture must have needs been fulfilled. God had placed a Scripture on His mind. Oh, how often God speaks to us through His Scripture. That's why we need to read the Scripture. That's why we need to memorize the Scripture. That's why we need to study the Scriptures. The more we read, the more we study, the more the Holy Spirit can speak to us and use that Scripture in our lives. I remember witnessing to a woman one night and there was a passage of scripture that just came to my mind and I just quoted it to her and I I didn't know why. And she said to me, has my sister been talking to you? I said, I don't think so, who is your sister? And she told me as a lady that was a member of the church I was pastoring. And I said, no, I haven't talked to her. I didn't even know you were sisters. She said, surely you knew. And I said, no, why why are you asking? And she said, well, that scripture you quoted there. She said that just fit what's going on between me and her. I said, lady, I didn't know that, but God did. God sent you that scripture. You better listen to it. I, I never did see her anymore. I don't know if she ever got her life straightened out with the Lord or not, but, but I, I just thought of how God brought that out in a, in a situation that I, I was unaware of. And here it says, men and brethren, this scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which by the Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, spake before concerning Judas. Wow, did you know that David spoke about Judas? According to what Peter Peter says here, the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas what, who was Judas? Well, you know he's one of the twelve. He was one of those that were chosen to be a, a disciple of Jesus, which was guide to them that took Jesus. He's the one that sold Jesus out for the, the shekels and, and for, took him right to Jesus up there in the garden of, of Gethsemane. Betrayed him to the Lord that night. But this is the same Judas also that regretted what he had done. But he did a wrong thing. Look at verse 17. He says, for he was numbered with us. He was chosen as one of us, one of the apostles and obtained part of this ministry, the ministry that we have that Jesus has given to us. He was a part of this ministry. But he says, now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. You remember what he did after he, he found out that he was guilty of betraying Jesus? I, I, some people says he thought he would just uh, get him turned over to the soldiers and they would not kill him, but when he found out they were going to put Jesus to death, he takes the money back to the chief priests there in the temple and take, tries to get them to take it back and change their mind and they wouldn't do it and he just threw it down in the temple and he went out and hanged himself. And that's what this is talking about. This man purchased a field with a reward of iniquity. That's what the chief priests did with that money. They said, we can't put it back in the treasury. And they bought a field and called it the potter's field where they could bury the poor folks in. That's Judas's legacy. What a legacy to leave. This man purchased a field with a reward of iniquity and falling headlong, in other words, he hanged himself. Falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. Ooh, what a horror, horror story that is. In verse 19, it says, and it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, This word spread all across Jerusalem, everybody that lived there, in so much as that field is called in the proper tongue, a Seldama, that is to say, the field of blood. The last time I was in Israel, we'd been in Caiaphas' house, took a tour of it and we walked out. And our tour guide says, come here, I want to show you something. There was a rail around the outside of Caiaphas' house. It's kind of up on a hill, about everything's up on a hill in Jerusalem. We walked over there and he said, do you see this plot of land down here? He said, now that's the land that was bought with the 30 pieces of silver that Judas threw down in the temple. That's called the field of blood. And he said it's called a potter's field because that, that clay was good for making pottery. But he said that was a, a dugout field that they, they had run out of the clay that made the pottery. So they sold it cheap. And now paupers are buried there. People that can't afford a graze somewhere else, but that's where they're buried. Right beside Accapas' house. Verse 20, it says, For it is written in the book of Psalms. Now listen. Peter begins to quote from Psalms here. It is written in the book of Psalms. Let his habitation be desolate. Let his house be desolate and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric, or his office, as a disciple of Jesus, as an apostle, his bishopric let another take. Peter understood through the leadership of the Holy Spirit as they were praying that they needed to replace Judas. They needed to fill his position. He had done a, a terrible job. He had left a terrible gaping hole among the apostles. But they realized that, that it was up to the group, the body, the church as we call it today. And he says in verse 21, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Now, Peter's telling them something. There's some qualifications for the person who will fill this. That first of all, it has to be one of the men which had accompanied them all the time that Jesus went in and out, out among them. In other words, the three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. It had to be someone among that group. Why? And he says in verse 22, beginning from the baptism of John, that's when Jesus' public ministry began, when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Beginning there, it must be someone who was there who witnessed his baptism, beginning from the baptism baptism of John until that same day that He was taken away from us. They must have followed Him all the time and even saw Him depart out of this world. Why? Must one be ordained to be a witness with us of His resurrection? It couldn't be just anybody off the streets. It couldn't be just anybody who had showed up at the, the services every once in a while. But it had to be someone who had started with Jesus back there as far back as his baptism. They had followed with him all of his life. And there was a crowd that followed him everywhere he went. They must have also witnessed his resurrection so that they could be a witness. And remember, the word witness is the word martyr. They're laying their life on the line every time that they tell someone that Jesus arose from the dead. Did you realize that these apostles, they recognized the fact that witnessing for Jesus could be deadly. But somebody said, the disciples came and took His body and hid it. If that was so, then when they were being persecuted and thrown in prison and and even being killed, why didn't they just go and produce the body? Because it wasn't there, Jesus arose from the dead. Why would they not deny the fact that Jesus was alive? Because they had seen him with their own eyes. They were witnesses. And a witness is someone who speaks the truth, who is sworn to tell the truth. That accounts for their deaths. Only John, died a natural death. All the other apostles of Jesus died as a martyr, died being put to death for their witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it wasn't just any old person that they could pick from. They had a limited field. Verse 23, and they appointed Two. I guess today we'd say they took nominations and two names came out. One of them, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. These are the two. Now notice what happens here. And they voted. No, they didn't. And they prayed, listen to their prayer. Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. God, we found two men that fit the qualifications. We've got these two men, but Lord, we don't know which one. You show us, you know the hearts of these men. You know which one you've chosen. So Lord, show whether the two you have chosen. Let us know. You see, church, as you search for a pastor, I I believe the most important prayer that you can pray is God send us the man you want us to have. Not the man I want, but God send us the man that you have picked out. And I'll guarantee you, God has a man out there somewhere that he has picked out to be the pastor of this church. I notice in the bulletin every Sunday You pray, ask for prayer for the committee and thank you for praying for that committee. That's a difficult job. I served on one one time, I I know how it is. But Let me ask you to include in your prayer for God to make known who He wants to be the pastor here. And listen to Him. He may not fit the qualifications that you've got spelled out, But if he's God's man, you better get him. He may not look like you look. He may not speak like you speak. But if he's God's man, he's the one God wants here. That's important. They prayed, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. That means he not only knew the hearts of Barsabbas and Matthias, but he knew the hearts of every person in that room. He knew there was some wanting this one and some wanting that one. God knew their hearts. He knows our hearts. Lord, show whether these two thou hast chosen. Why? That he may take part of this ministry and apostleship. Lord, that he can be a part of this ministry. That he can be a part of the apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell. We've got an opening, Lord. We've got a vacancy. Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Now notice what happens. I know that Baptist sometimes gets bad mouth because we believe in a congregational way of doing business. There's other denominations that the hierarchy does it all. They appoint the pastors to go wherever they want them to go. But I still believe this is the scriptural way. They gave forth their lots and the lot fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now casting lots, this is mentioned over in the Old Testament scriptures. Even among the high priest, he wore upon his breastplate, something that is called the Urim and the Thummim. And there was times when decisions had to be made and somehow some way that high priest would take the Urim and the Thummim and he would somehow determine the will of God in this. Some people have said like rolling dice, Others said there was a white stone and a black stone. I don't know, all the Bible tells us about it, it's the Urim and the Thummim. If you know more than that about it, I'd love to hear you. But here, we don't know if they put names in a bowl and drawed out the ones or counted them or what they did. But here's what's important. It says, the lot fell upon Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. He was the one that was chosen. He's the one that God pointed out. But I want to remind us of something. They both were qualified. Don't forget that. They both were qualified or else they wouldn't have been put in the bunch here. They filled the qualifications, but God's choice was made known through Matthias. Now somebody says, "Well." We don't know much about Matthias. That's right, we don't. You hear very little about him after this passage of scripture right here. But you know, there's been a lot of people went down through this life that served the Lord faithfully for many, 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 many years and may not be anybody that knows their name, but God knows them and God knows where they served, and God knows what they did, because God looks on the heart. But tonight, I want to ask us to gather here in this altar, and I want to ask us tonight for God to send the person that He has chosen to be your pastor. And I'll say this, I told the committee when I talked with them, I said, I'm not to be considered as a candidate for pastor. I come to try to help churches get through the interim period. There's been several people in this congregation and I'm blessed every time one of them says, why don't you be our pastor? And the only way that that would happen in my life would be if God told me to, and the church told me to. And neither one of you have, so I'm still standing here as your interim pastor tonight. But I want you to just come to the altar tonight and let's just spend some time, yes, holding up this committee in prayer tonight, but seeking who God wants to be the pastor in this church.